anything else I want to... Can you guys hear me? No. No? <laughs> All right, teacher voice. Oh, is this on? Uh, good morning to you guys. It's good to see you guys here this morning. Uh, good morning to our, uh, those joining us on the stream. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. I want to begin with a story. Recently, a pilot was practicing high-speed maneuvers in a fighter jet. She, she turned the controls for what she thought was a steep ascent and flew straight into the ground. She was unaware she had been flying upside down. This is a parable of human existence in our times. Not that everyone is, not exactly that everyone's crashing, though there's enough of that. But most of us as individuals and world society live at high speed and often with no clue to whether we're upside down or right side up. That's from Dallas Willard in uh, The Divine Conspiracy. We have begun a series called The World's Turned Upside Down. We're looking at Jesus's uh, arguably... I mean, if you say the greatest sermon of Jesus, you know, not to get to that debate, but the Sermon on the Mount, yes? And that's what we're looking at this month. We began um, a couple midweeks ago by looking at the Beatitudes together as a family and reviewing those. And today we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to open up your Bible to there. And um, we're not going to read all of Matthew chapter 5, but we're going to read most of it. It's going to be a lot of scripture this morning. There's a couple things I want to say before we get back to the scriptures here or, or into the scriptures here. Maddie, Maddie Crafts in town. It's always a blessing for us for her to be uh, for her to be back home. She didn't hear what I said. Back home. And then uh, a little bit of other news I wanted to share on behalf of the Abijah family. Nicole, she made an all-American softball team. I don't know if she can hear us from here, but let it be known. Show her some love. That, that's a lot of dedication, yes. a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, I, I've, not, I've been All-American nothing, so <laughs> I can't really relate to that. Well, man, we got to lift up those in our community, yes? Amen. Always, always. Today we're looking at the law of Moses in Matthew 5. Jesus is going to break some things down in the Sermon on the Mount. And the idea I want us to think of, to focus on, is inside out. The law of Moses is for the inside out. Yeah, I don't know if that Disney will have a problem with that title or but where does it go with it. You know, when we looked at the Beatitudes, we, we talked about the idea that the Beatitudes, God is looking for people that's opposite of what the world looks for. It's upside down. So today we're talking about inside out. Out. Okay. You with me in Matthew 5? Yeah. All right. Starting in 13. This is our context for today. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, 
And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is important to read. I almost didn't read this this morning. I, yeah, how can I do that? This is our, this is our context for hearing the rest of the message. Jesus gives the Beatitudes. He's like, this is the kind of person God's kingdom is for. Now, don't forget, before I say anything else, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Every time you pass someone some salt, what do they say? Thank you. Hey, I can't, I can't find this thing. Can you turn on the light on? Boom, thank you. Those are good things. Yeah. Those are blessings. Amen? That's right. That's a, maybe too simple of an analogy, but uh, the whole point of this is, guys, we have to get this. Don't listen to this part. You are. Then the rest of this is not going to resonate. You're going to mishear it. Okay? So take that in. This sermon builds. It is one strain of thought. I know in our Bibles we have all these cool little headings. And you're like, I can just take one bite, one bite. It's like the fun size Snickers. They're not that fun, right? It's one continuous thought throughout the Sermon on the Mount, okay? So keep that in mind as well. All right, here we go. Are you ready? We went through the Beatitudes. Jesus is giving us the context for who we are, and now he's going to lay it down. We're stepping up to the door of the kingdom. What makes this faith different than what came before? Why would Jesus even need to give a sermon like this? Jesus deals with the elephant in the room. What is real righteousness? What is true righteousness? Jesus reexamines the law of Moses as it was practiced by God's people in the day, namely the Pharisees here. Why is this the time? There's a lot that can book of Matthew, some things that are really important that you have to get in order for the Sermon on the Mount to make sense. Jesus represents the new Israel. Okay? Jesus represents the new Israel. How do we know that in Matthew? Because it begins with genealogy. Super like Jewish thing to do is start with the genealogy and you see son of David and son of Abraham in Jesus' genealogy. Yes? You see, they, they flee to Egypt and then Jesus brought back out of Egypt. Did that not happen to Israel as well? Oh yeah. Interesting. Jesus, after he, he begins his ministry, he spends 40 days being tested in the desert. Didn't Israel spend 40 years being tested, mm-hmm. wandering in the desert? Mm-hmm. Interesting. After they came out of the... And in that time as well, Moses gave them the law mountain. Guess what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount? He's going back over the law on a mountain, on a hill. That. Okay, let's dive in back into the text. We're going to look at the law of Moses expanded and explained. We're talking about the world being upside down, and it's from the inside out. 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen 
will by any means disappear from the law until anything, everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What's, what's Jesus saying here? What, is that, what does that mean for he came to, to fulfill the law but not abolish it? That even, have you wrestled with what that means? It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, for us? It, it, and it shouldn't. I mean, this is not the context we grew up in. This is not stuff we just are born knowing in our culture. Right. What does that mean? What that means is, is, is Jesus came to complete, to fill is what that word means, to fill, to fulfill the law, right? And I think it even helps us a little bit to back up some. Because even this word, I know we're doing a lot of words. We're talking about a lot of context here. Can you hold on? That, okay, that was a delay, but you said yes. And Jesus talks about your yes yes here, actually, later in the Sermon on the Mount, so I'm going to take it. Okay, so, Torah, we translate that as law, right? It's actually what we get when we translate it from Hebrew to Greek, and then to English, we get the word law. But if you go to the Hebrew, the word just means teaching. This is God's teaching, and it's important to know... Because I think for us in 21st century America, when we think of law, we think of something totally different. We think of like codes, yes? And that's not what is happening here. And I believe they, the the Jews of Jesus' time, were falling for that same trap, yes? Okay, so that's important context. The legalistic system of living that they were trying to make it impossible the Torah, to break away from the teaching. They went into captivity. They went to Babylon. And they re- when they came back out, they realized, you know what? We did that to ourselves. It's because we broke the Torah. We didn't follow God's teaching. So you know what we're going to do? You know what the law needs? More law. So they create the Mishnah, like 1,000 to the, plus the original 163. Now there's 3,000. It's like a fence around it. If we these laws, and we won't break the Torah in the middle. Does that? Are you following? Okay. And then even later on, we're like, okay, more. The Talmud, we're going to create even more. A thousand more. We're going to have a fence around the fence, around the Torah. Okay? And, and before we get to finger-pointing with that, do we do that too? Do we create codes or traditions to safeguard the Bible? We're like, well, just, just, just don't do that. And then you won't have to worry about not doing that in the Bible, right? Do we have a tendency? I think so. I think so. This, in, this, this results having viewing God's teaching as a moral code, as a behavior modifier, takes us away from transformation being inside out. We view it in that way. And it is very easy to view it that way. But God's teaching, God's law is not a moral code alone. This resulted in righteousness that became more fabricated than spiritually motivated. Are we getting flashbacks to the Luke series with Jesus talking to the Pharisees? Anybody? 
that's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. And Jesus makes that point. He's like, you know what? If your righteousness can't surpass the Pharisees, he won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, holy cow. These dudes had the, they had the Bible memorized. Memorized. Not like the books of the Bible. No, the words. All of them. What? I, if I can't surpass, but you're viewing it wrong already. Because it's not about that. There is a place for knowing God's word and being written on our hearts, but it's not about the codes. If you're looking for legalistic righteousness, which is faultlessness, it ain't going to happen. Period. So what makes someone righteous? With a T, right? What makes someone righteous? Their heart. Right? What made Abraham righteous? Faith, yes. Faith, trust God makes someone righteous. Faith in God, an action that naturally follows authentic faith is righteousness. Things like your word, is that righteousness? That you had your quiet time every day at the same time or every day? That you're sharply dressed. That you didn't struggle with purity today. Whatever purity is, how would we define that in our culture? Whatever your radio stations are preset. Whether you walked out of a movie just really inappropriate or someone was there at your house and so you're like, oh, let's skip this scene. Whether you're on stage, it makes you righteous. This breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. Are those things bad? No, 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 no. Let's not pendulum swing this. None of those things are bad, but it's real quiet in here right now. And I don't know if that's the daylight savings things or if we're getting really real. And those things aren't bad if, if you're not doing those things as a moral code. Right? If you're not just adopting those practices or traditions without understanding the heart of it. And is that not exactly what happened to the Jews of Jesus' day? Replicating a system, replicating tradition without understanding the heart of God's teaching. So what's the central issue here? It's how do you interpret and apply God's teaching? Do you interpret it and apply it as a moral code. And we do, before anyone says no. And we do. So we should keep reading, because Jesus talks about that. Jesus goes through a series, it's called a polemic. Jesus is kind of going on, on on the offensive against some of these traditions that have been put out there, and the heart has been misunderstood. And he starts attacking these things, right? So we're going to pick up in verse 21. This one is murder... Versus anger. He says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means idiot, kind of in our language, right? Maybe even heavier, is answer 
to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, you'll be in danger the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. To them, then come offer your gift. Settle, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, and your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. An upside down reading of God's teaching will allow for anger, bitterness, lawsuits, division. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's in the Torah, but you're not reading it. You're not understanding it as God intended it. You're upside down. You're flying upside down. When you pull back, you're going to crash and burn. Jesus says this is not the kingdom way. Instead, Peace and unity is relationships. Relationships. Relationships before rightness. How about we actually start to view it as Jesus does, that relationships are rightness. Think about that. Relationships are rightness. You look at Jesus. We'll get, actually, we're going to come circle around back to that. So hold on to that. If you're not, if you're not buying that, just wait. Adultery versus lust. Verse 20. Are we going too fast or anything? Some of you are like, go faster. Okay. <clears throat> adultery versus lust. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And some of you are like, I remember this from youth group. And your right, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body, then the whole, your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to still cut off and throw it away, it's better for you to lose the one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife to give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Remember what we said earlier, everything is building, right? So let's not try to compartmentalize these little chunks. Because when you do that, you can walk away with really harmful doctrine that's going to end up really hurting people. And and scripture has been abused on both of these topics, yes? Yes. Some of us may have been on the receiving end of that. I joked about youth group, but actually that can create a pretty not helpful purity culture that we don't fully grasp what that is. Let's actually talk about that. Upside down... Reading of Torah, upside down reading of God's teaching will allow for these things. Adultery, lust, indecency. You know, a case can be made that religious people will overlook various forms of fornication as well if we just make this out to be a moral code. We are really crafty as human beings about making our way around rules, especially those in the United States of America. Like, we're, this, this country, Founded on breaking rules. Right. I mean, just. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, there we go. Vouching, right? Yeah. Again, this is the case if it's about behavior modification. 
Jesus says the kingdom place of absolute purity. And before you cringe, what is purity? Purity is seeing others and yourself as God sees you. Okay? Purity is seeing yourself and others as God sees you. Don't overlook what Jesus is also talking about here, the subtext of this. Who's often forgotten or left out in this culture and society at this time? Who has to deal with that when a divorce happens? Who really suffers the consequences? It's the woman. Hands down, 100%. What is Jesus doing here? Don't overlook the justice that Jesus is providing here in this. Don't overlook that. Because it's more than the male Jew just knowing, okay, okay, figure out how to be righteous. There are relationships at stake in these situations, in adultery specifically, in divorce specifically. The guy can keep doing his thing in most places. Maybe has to go through some rituals, some cleansing. What happens to the woman? Her whole social security is gone. She's got to go make money the ungodly way. Let's not overlook what Jesus is doing here in this teaching. He is turning their society upside down. Let's keep reading. Oaths versus honesty. Verse 33. I heard that it was said to the people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne or by earth for it's its footstool or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. An upside-down understanding of God's law allows for deceit and dishonesty to enter to our relationships and our everyday discourse. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's be real, real. Think about this times have you told someone and maybe not followed through on these things? Let me pray about that. I'm praying for you. We should connect sometime soon. Let me get some advice on that. Now, if we really do those things and we really intend those, not even just intend, if we do those things, that's working. If we're using those codes... Let's be honest, those are cool codes we got. We use those codes as buffers to not deal with our hearts or rectify the relationship. That's, that's deceitful. And those are just a few examples. We can dig a lot deeper than that. Yeah. That's just the ramblings of a crazy guy up here. We can go a lot deeper than that. Yeah. Jesus says the kingdom is a place of absolute honesty. Let's keep going. All right, Laying it out. Revenge versus non-resistance. Verse 38. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You know, an upside-down reading of Torah 
allows for violent retaliation up to a point. It's like, you guys seen the Batman yet? I'm telling everybody about the movie. It's like, <laughs> yes, you have. He's like, well, who are you? He goes, I am vengeance, right? Isn't that so cool? That was cool. It was super cool. It was super cool. But, but, how often do you, do you feel like that? I feel like that. Someone does us wrong. I am vengeance. Coming for you. And it's not as cool as Batman. Like, you know, it's, it's typically pretty petty. Passive aggressive. Which is just as toxic, not worse. We know, we know, we've talked about this, you've been to Sunday school, if you've looked at these scriptures, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, this whole thing, it's about uh, li- them, the, the God's people living in a world where when you, something bad happened to you, you went and did it multiple times over. Remember Lamech back in Genesis? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do it, was it 77 times? Right. I'm going to repay them that much. Like, I'm a bad guy. Like, when you hurt me, I'm going to kill you. You injure me, you're dead. And that was, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the norm for humanity. Yeah. Like just a massive retaliation just beyond proportion. And what God is doing, he's teaching his people, we're going to be different. Like if something happens to you, you don't, try to, you, you don't try to go beyond that, right? This is about fairness, right? And even this concept of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, if you start to look at some of the teachings and understandings and interpretations of these scriptures, it's not saying if, if you stab my eye, you guys stab your eye. It's if you injure me, right, you owe me the amount of that injury. It's like an eye's worth for an eye, a tooth's worth for a tooth. Does that make sense? So even in the we understand that. We're like, oh, we got permission to just like hit him back. That's not what Jesus, Jesus is saying. You guys got that wrong. Can I get a volunteer? Art, that was really quick. You're going to love this. You're going to pretend to slap me. Pretend! (laughs) She put herself down immediately. Oh, my goodness. All right. Is is workman's comp part of the thing? I don't know. How does this work? Okay. For instruction. Right. Okay. I trust you. I trust you. Should I take my glasses off just in case? Okay. Wind up, right? If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Think about this. This is a cool visual, right? Um, well, why not the left hand? Like, if you... This is my right cheek. If you were to slap me, left hand, but in this car, you don't do anything with the left hand. You don't wave it at people. You clean yourself with your left hand. We'll leave it at that. Okay? Yes? We're leaving it there. Go Google it, okay? All right. Right. Okay, so how would you slap my right cheek with your right hand? Don't actually do it. Just pretend. Okay? Go ahead. How would you do that? I'd go like that. Ooh. Back of the hand. That's a sign of disrespect. That is a sign of oppression. And that is very much verified in Roman history as well. You can put it down if you want. I don't want you to be tempted to like, let me really. We need some extra volunteers at the next teen devotional. <laughs> Maybe some gloves, I don't know. 
Do you see that? What did Jesus say? If that happens, you not, not just that you get hit, but you get hit in a really disrespectful way. What does he say? Do it again. If someone's suing you for your shirt, for, for, for your shirt, your cloak, you don't have anything else. <laughs> you don't have anything else. If, 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 it's, if someone's suing you to the point where they're, they're asking for the clothes on your back, you don't have anything else. So what does Jesus say? Give it to him. Stand naked in front of the court and being like, let the injustice show itself. This is this, this is non-resistance in the realest of real ways. Allow the injustice to be seen and trust God to expose it. Was at the end of Lord's prayer. Leave me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. God, you deliver me from evil. I don't need to deliver myself from evil. I don't need to go get my nine for this evil. You got me. I just spoke to, yes. You got me. You got me. This injustice is going to show. I'm going to bear the weight of that. Does that not sound like Jesus? Does that not sound like Jesus on the cross? Are you with me? Conditional versus unconditional love. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even, are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. And then here's a horrible line in English. Be perfect. Does yours say perfect? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But if you go to the Old Testament and you read that, it's be holy as I am holy. Okay? The, 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 the Jews didn't even have a concept of perfect like we do. Like 100%. Like what does that mean? But be holy. Now, now we can work with that. Be holy. Be holy. Separate, set apart, different. God is saying, I want you, uh, Jesus is saying, I want you to be different as God is different. I want you to be set apart as God is set apart. And if you, if you understand God's teaching through this lens, then you will be different. Does that make sense? An upside down teaching of God's law allows for hatred, it allows for division, it allows for xenophobia, it allows for classism, it allows for racism, it allows for nationalism. Jesus said the kingdom is a place of love and unity, of sacrificial love. Working for the good of those who go against you. We're going to keep going on the Sermon on the Mount for the rest of the month, Amen. You're like, good, okay, because that was like a full chapter. All right. <laughs> the kingdom of God was designed to turn the world upside down. And really, if you think about it, you think back to like the way God created the world, really, Jesus is actually turning it back the way it's, it should be, right? Not to ruin the metaphor, but you get it, right? Let's look at legalism 
the behavior modification, the moral code that we so badly want to have because it's an easy scapegoat. Yeah. We can work our way around it. I, 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 there's, my flesh loves it. Yeah, I'm like, I can manipulate some rules easy. I appreciate those of you being honest and nodding along with me. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, if this comes from an upside-down reading of Torah, what's right side up? We're staying in Matthew. Come with me to Matthew 11 real quick. Matthew 11, verse 28. Oh, this is, this is just awesome. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those things we just read in Matthew 5, that way of living and that way of religion, isn't that burdensome? Wearisome? Aren't the traditions we create and try to pass on burdensome and wearisome when they're outside of God's vision? Yes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus was a rabbi. A yoke for a rabbi was the way they interpreted the Torah. Okay? Holding on to Matthew 22. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But what is Jesus' yoke? You guys already know this, don't you? We must know this. Matthew 22, verse 34. Or, uh, 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Teacher, what is your yoke? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So that's the greatest commandment. Here's the yoke. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And how do we know that's Jesus' yoke? Because he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That is inside out. Loving God and loving your neighbor. And not just some feel good, our version of love, a deep sacrificial, a committed love with all that we have. Practicals. You guys are like, give me the practicals. This whole Sermon on the Mount is a sermon on practicals, guys. <laughs> you want the practical? Here's the practical. Russell, what does that look like for you to apply what Jesus is saying now? Because yeah. he's given us, this is chock full of practicals already. Yeah. Here's the thing about practicals. I give you 10 practicals right now. But if you don't have to do the work of wrestling through it, if someone presents you with a list, you can just read the list. You'd be like, no, no, that's not me. That doesn't apply to me. That's different. You can write it off. But if God reveals a practical to you and your heart and mind, you can't deny that. <laughs> you can't deny that. Wrestle with this. Wrestle with this. Amen? We're going to have communion together. And uh, in communion, let's go to Romans. We read scripture here. I probably should have said that at the beginning if this is anyone's first time. It's too late. <laughs> we read scripture here. Like a lot. Romans chapter 3. Now here's, here's some... Here's some I almost said the word homework. That's, that would ruin it. 
do this sometime this week, and it's, it's gonna, it will open your eyes. Read Matthew 5, and then read all of Romans 3, side by side. Oh, just do it. Just do it. I, chef's kiss. Yes. Do it. Romans 3. Okay, so Romans 3. I'm going to pick up in verse 19, okay? Read all of it this week. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, moral code, behavior modification. Are you hearing this? Mm -hmm. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. That verse might mean a little different when we read it in the context, yeah? God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just, the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? No, Because the law that requires faith. Did you hear that? For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there's only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. Do we then nullify the work by this law? Not at whole. The law. This passage rings a little different when you pair it with Jesus' teachings, right? I encourage you to spend more time in this, but in our time of communion, together consider these things. Righteousness that those who are Those Jews were desperately trying to achieve righteousness. Righteousness comes through faith in Jesus. Now, now that's a cool Christian bumper sticker. But what do you have faith in Jesus about? Like, explain that. You know what I think it means? I'm pretty convinced it means. I think when we talk about having faith in Jesus, it means we have faith. In his yoke. We read God's word through the lens of love him and love your neighbor. We understand God's word through that way. That's that's this is the way. What did they call Jesus? The way. This is the way to fully embody God's law. To get to the heart of it. To live up and down. 
Jesus turned the cross upside down too. This is pretty cool. An instrument made for the worst kind of death became an instrument to give life to the fullest. We are God's people, yes? Let's be like Jesus. Let's, let's embrace his yoke. Let's embrace his way of living. We're going to pray for communion and continue in our worship together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we remember your name and who you are. You are enduring. You are forever. You are secure. You're always there. We thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his yoke. God, forgive us. Help us to understand what, how we've been interpreting your teaching for us, your message for us, and help us to be more like Jesus. Help, him, help us to hear his voice. Father, help us to remember the cross, something that could be so wicked, so, so harmful, so traumatic. Somehow in history has turned to, to the most prolific image of giving life. Father, help us to bear our crosses to do the same in this world today. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.